How's it going, guys? Welcome to the Amish Inquisition Deborah Gets Red Pill Swapcast. Um, I'm yeah. Amish Phil, and we've got Amish Matt, Amish Ben in the house, and hey. Adam and Deborah from Deborah Gets Red Pill. How's Hello. everyone? Going, How's guys? everyone doing? It's like uh, it's transatlantic, transcontinental Swapcast. Our first uh, first um, podcast with people that aren't in America. Is it? It's the future. Oh. I hope. Yeah. Um, yeah. I hope you can yeah. understand us with our lingo and our dodgy accents. <laughs> Yeah. Do you do you watch Game of Thrones? Ever? Yeah, I love Game of Thrones. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you'll be all right. <laughs> we're, we're like the I Northerners. Listen, I listen. Um, I was a a punk rocker for a long time, so I listened to a lot of oi music. So I'm I'm right there with you guys. And I was mildly obsessed with um football violence in my early twenties. So I read a lot of books about that and watched every movie there as possible. So all right, it's I'm all versed in uh, English slang. Is that like yeah. the football factory? That was a big one. Yeah, it? football I like factory. English rock stars. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Very good. Um. So what? Uh, yeah, you guys are all in uh, outside of London, though, right? That's it. Yeah. Yeah. If you Up think north. if you think yeah. think of uh, Westeros, we're like just yeah. we're just <laughs> south of the wall, the ice wall. Got it. Yeah. 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 Um. You guys just like locked down real hard there. Fucking love like it. Like yesterday or, or when? <laughs> yeah, yesterday. Awful. Well, I saw, so video, I saw a video of people at like the train station like running home because <laughs> yeah. they had to be home by a certain time or. Yeah, I think it's, it's more people escaping is what I've read in the news. It's so, you know, if, if people have got second homes or they, for example, you know, they, they've got family in other parts of the country, they're, they're going to places where it's not as restricted as in London, basically. Yeah. So trying to catch the, the last train to Dagenham. <laughs> the last train out of town. <laughs> yeah, it's like a lot of people commute to London, you see. They work in the big smoke in the big city. And they might, yeah. a lot of them probably um, sort of live there Monday to Friday. And then and then oh. go to their real home, which will be you yeah, know okay. in the in the Shire somewhere, some ideal yeah. idyllic spot. So yeah, it's like the last train out of Dodge. Yeah. <laughs> so what's what are the current stipulations of the the newest thing that they implemented? They're just um, sort of breaking people's legs now. <laughs> so if, uh, don't don't do leave, just stay where you are. Yeah, um, it's it's uh, don't kill granny is basically the uh, the motto, isn't it at the moment? That um, that's, what that's what the government says a lot. Um, so uh, in London, so you you're not allowed to mix households at all, um, and then elsewhere, uh, like we're in tier three, then they made up a new tier four for London just to make it a little bit more scary. And um, we can we can mix households on Christmas Day, basically. And I think that's the oh, and all non-essential shops are closed now in London, haven't they? As well, yeah, salons, barbershops, 
any personal yeah. care, gyms, they're all gone, bars, pubs. Yeah, it's grim. So um, how about like, um, I'm, a, I'm a construction worker. I build elevators for a living. Um, what, what's going on with like the working class and those kind of jobs? They're, apparently they're immune from the virus. <laughs> because more, uh, more expend, expendable, like in yourself, their, in their eyes. I'm yeah. I'm in the same uh, industry, Adam, and so I I've worked through pretty much. Yeah, um, what do you do? Uh, Sparky. Oh, sparklers. Sparklers. Right is on. that what you call them over there? Sparklers. We call we call an, an apprentice an apprentice Sparky is a sparkler. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> right on. That's cool. So, yeah, essentially, yeah. if you can work from home, you have to. Yeah. But, but folks like you and me, we have to go out and do the stuff on site. So uh, we're allowed to leave leave our area <laughs> or leave our home. Yeah. I'm in, uh, I'm in Oregon, right outside of Portland, right across the border oh, yeah. in a little town called Milwaukee, Oregon. And um, it's like a different county than than Portland, so it's like a little more rural, suburban. So people aren't quite as concerned out here, but it's still you know fifty fifty. And um, I don't know. I haven't really been paying attention. I haven't been doing stuff outside the house much. I go to work and then I hang out and do work in my backyard and stuff. But um, I think uh, I think you can get takeout from restaurants i don't think you can sit down now and i'm not really quite sure on where you can go shopping you can go to the grocery store and stuff but deborah's in uh the bay area by san francisco oh god and california is way more strict than we are so what's going on with you deborah uh we're on total lockdown um Although stores are still open, so I don't understand how they can say it's a total lockdown. We're all supposed to stay at home except for, you know, uh, crucial stuff, getting food, getting whatever. But the stores are still open. So, you know, commercialism trumps health, I guess. I don't know. And uh, you're allowed to go to the French Laundry, aren't you? Yeah, with the, with well, your our, lobbyist our, mates. Our, our governor is, that's for damn sure. And so is uh, the, the mayor of San Francisco, London Breed. She was caught up there, too. I don't know what they're all thinking about, you know, going to French Laundry, but... I voted when I lived, I used to live in San Francisco, and I voted for London Breed because her name sounds like a shitty oi band. <laughs> <laughs> it's as good a reason as anything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, there's quite a lot of sort of difference between the different states and over there. Because isn't yeah. Florida quite relaxed or has been up until recently? Yeah, Florida's not. Uh, Florida's open for business. I don't. I see the thing. I I don't understand. I I kind of equate like wearing a mask with being locked down. So if I don't know if Florida is making people wear masks or if certain places are, but I think they're just normal. Um, South Dakota is never, has never locked down, but they're a pretty rural state and don't have a very large population. And then, um, just North of us in Washington state, there's this little town called Mossy Rock. I think, um, Alex Jones featured it recently on, um, Infowars because they voted. It's a town of like a thousand people. They voted unanimously to, 
disobey the governor's orders. They're <laughs> fully open, no mask, just defying everything. They got the sheriff on their side. So I think uh, I have Thursday off, or maybe on the day after Christmas, my wife, and it's about three hours from here, my wife and I are going to drive up there, wake up early and go get breakfast. And it's like a, Try it's like and, a tourist attraction now, the land before yeah. time, you know? Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, you can go to the old, go to the old normal, yeah, and uh, experience so. life before the great reset. Yeah, it's amazing. <sighs> yeah, it gets. Uh, it's hard to talk about, man. It's it's rough. Do you know, um, I was list- sorry. Go on. Go ahead. No, you go. We we've been covering the COVID stuff pretty much every week in our sort yeah. of second half of shows. So we have an interview for the first hour. And then yeah. we have a break, and then we go over some news of the week, and COVID yeah. is obviously dominating all that. Yeah, and, right uh, before I got on here, I was listening to your to your. I listened to your episode with the guy about the little Baron Trump. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, and then <laughs> I listened Trump. to the the second part where that guy from Arizona was talking about you know how masks and vaccines will never stop. Mm. So, yeah. but it can get you down, you know, when you, you you're yeah. soaking up. You're soaking up all this negative information, and we've been outlining a lot of the negative consequences of these lockdowns, of which we have lost count because there's so many, and, and the impacts of these decisions are going to reverberate for years and years to come, financial implications and healthcare implications. Uh, yeah. But you've got to try and you've got to try and find the funny side where you can, because. Uh, yeah. Otherwise, it will just you'll just end up in a dark place, soaking up all this information. I think this is pro- a lot of the problem we've had with the news media, because the news media absolutely loves this. They jump on every, yeah. you know, what does it say? If it bleeds, it leads. Yeah. Any <laughs> any bad news, you know, they jump on it and they pipe it into our homes. And um, you've got to try and you've got to try and level some of that out and try and f- find the funny side wherever you can. You know, even you know. I mean, I imagine people in, in California when Newsom was caught at the French Laundry were, go, were up in arms and tearing their hair out. But to some degree, you've just got to laugh at how stupid it is, how, how mm-hmm. funny it is, really. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you just end up in a, a bad place. Yeah. The one thing about that whole thing, and then like Lori Lightfoot from Chicago is getting her hair cut, and Nancy Pelosi, Deborah's lifelong <laughs> idol, is getting her hair cut. <laughs> um, people are getting mad about it, but then they're missing the fact that like, Oh, the people who are in charge don't think this is real. Maybe it's not real. Nobody sees that part. You know, people that believe it don't see that. They're like, Gavin Newsom is going and doing that because he knows it's not real. So there's some sort of disconnect there that people can't equate, you know? And then the fact that Gavin Newsom is still, on TV talking to people, telling people what to do, and people would be like, oh, Gavin Newsom told me to do that. Why would you ever believe that Gavin Newsom, anything that he ever says for the rest of your life after after he's done that? Yeah, you would think that the, these people's credibility was completely shot, but they seem to just get away with a little false apology, and they just yeah. move in. They just move on mm. to the next day, and the, we have a saying here that today's news is tomorrow's chip-wrapping. Because um, what? chip wrapping. Okay. Because we have fish and chips. Because of fish and uh, chips. Chip wrapping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you the go to, paper. when I you get, get you. the, the wrapping newspaper. You. You know. 
And yeah, that's um, I think there's a pretty big, like California has a history of recalling governors. They recalled this guy, Gray Davis, back in the uh, 90s. And that's when they implement, they recalled him and implemented Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> as the governor. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I think the recall Newsom um, it's gathering is yeah. getting some pretty heavy steam right now. So, yeah. Deborah, how does how does it work practically? Do you have to sort of start a petition and then get a certain amount of signatures? You know, I'm I'm yeah. not sure, yeah, but I'm, I imagine that's how that they have to get enough people on board to, uh, you know, get it on a ballot of some sort. I'm imagining, yeah. but I don't know. We have a, a similar yeah. we have a similar sort of system here where pretty much anyone can start a petition and it goes on the .gov website and I think you need 300,000 signatures and you, yes. have to, you have to put in like your postal code and your address so you're a registered voter and then it, ha- it has to be debated then in Parliament. Mm. Yeah, it's similar here. I'm not sure what happens after the, the amount of signatures are reached though. I think it probably goes on the ballot, same thing, and then has to be yeah. like ratified by the state government or something like that and i guess each state probably has its own mechanism as well there's probably differences yeah. as differences and idiosyncrasies this is what interests me about your system about your system is that you know we said it when we're talking to idiocalypse it's not a democracy it's a you know, co- collection of states with their own rules yeah. you know yeah and then if you are in louisiana it's um napoleonic code it's not our you know What's, what's more that? typical yeah. yeah what does that mean is that like a hangover from the french exactly what do they do differently deborah um they they don't have counties they have um oh, parishes parishes and uh it's just it's just their their civic government is set up different mm-hmm. yeah you guys ever yeah. hear um, when Tom Segura talked about how he wants to build a wall around Louisiana, no. keep them out, keep them out of the rest of the country? Yeah, it's probably for <laughs> stuff like that. You know, is that where he is? Is he does he live right in there? No, he's he's a he's he lives in California, but he has in one of his specials he he has a big uh, bit about how how terrible Louisiana is and the Creole people, and it's pretty funny. Huh. You'll have to send that info to me so I can check it out. Yeah, we'll do. My husband is from Louisiana and my father, so half my family's right. all in Louisiana, or they were. It's kind of like the Deep South, isn't it? Louisiana. Deep South. Have you guys ever come to uh, the United States? Yeah, I've, I've been a couple of times. So I was in Texas last year for, for a bit with work, and I've, I've been down to Florida and... Um, that's Chicago, too bad. New York. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to go to California, but um, just the day before the lockdown was announced, we, we still had flights. We were expecting to still go, but we decided against it. I'd probably still be there now if I'd, if I'd gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they wouldn't let you out. No. <laughs> so, yeah. I've was... never been to the United Kingdom. I've been to Italy in Europe. That's the only time I've ever been to Europe, so... Yeah, you probably want to go somewhere nice to see if you go to Europe. So. <laughs> yeah. Or somewhere warm and dry anyway. Yeah, gotcha. If you're in, I live if in, you're in, 
if you're into sort of like ruined castles and um, broken walls and things, come come to England. It'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe someday. Yeah. Yeah. There's uh, there's lots of old shit over here. <laughs> yeah. 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 You guys have you guys have pubs that are older than our country. That's cool. So what's the one? Yeah. Uh, what's the one in Nottingham we went to? Ye well, old... It's in a cave, isn't it? So. Well, it was pretty so, old. It was ye oldie trip to Jerusalem, I think it was called. <clears throat> That's the one, yeah. Wasn't yeah. it built in the yeah. 1600s? I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's supposed to be. It's a disputed, old, the oldest pub in England, isn't it? Yeah. Um, hmm. And where is that? What, what city? Nottingham. Nottingham. Uh-huh. Yeah. But there's a thing there with everything. There's a lot of caves in Nottingham for some reason. Um, and I, I can't tell you why. Phil, did you not get arrested in Nottingham once? <laughs> no. Nah. Nottingham? York. York, that was it. Sorry. Yeah. Don't, don't go there. <laughs> <laughs> so, so how does you guys, um, how does the media work over there? Is it, um, do you guys get our stuff or is it all like BBC and Sky and your own cable news and stuff like that? Um, it kind of filters through, doesn't it, I suppose? Um, there might be kind of a bit of secondary cover, but it's all available, isn't it? I think like CNN and I've seen Fox News somewhere, maybe more online, I guess, like um, through social media and stuff I've seen. Yeah, we get places. like English versions, don't we, in, mm. in the channels on the telly. There's like an English version of CNN, an English version of Sky News and, and Fox News and stuff. I think to get the... You know, the pure piped American stuff. You, you have to go online. Okay. Um, but yeah. I so mean, it's probably all watered down. And- I think the way people consume news has changed drastically over the last 10 years. I don't think as many people sit down and watch the news at 10 or the news at 6 o'clock as they did 10 years ago, which is how most people got their daily news. Most people, mm. uh, the same with newspapers. You know, newspaper circulation is falling off a cliff because more people have smart devices and tablets and they tend to go to maybe Google for the news, which is pretty disturbing yeah. in itself. But I think well, I think we probably get a lot of US news because a lot of the online places use Associated Press and um, that other one, the Dutch one, I can't remember. Uh, Reuters. Reuters. Reuters and Bloomberg uh, Reuters, yeah. and stuff like that, so... I, I reckon we get more American news than we used to. Mm. Um, and podcasts. A lot of people get the news from podcasts as well. Like we were talking about No Agenda briefly before. I mean, I get a lot of American news from there. Um, yeah, but- I got to get back. I've I've listened to it previously. I got to start getting back into it because they're doing some pretty important work and research right now. I think um, people don't realize like how important of a guy... Adam Curry was just because he had like a mullet in the 80s and people know him from (laughs) MTV News like he doesn't people are like what Adam Curry from from when I was little on MTV News so but um yeah he's he's done some really good stuff that do you know which one I'm talking about Deborah that's the one remember when I sent you that podcast all about the PCR test and how uh, they're able to amplify it and get whatever they want out of it that was no agenda Mm-hmm. Yeah, I so. didn't make the connection. I couldn't believe that the same Adam Curry was, you know, 
doing yeah. serious news and he's the first podcaster, right? Yeah. Is he? Call him the yes, podfather. Yeah. Huh. yeah. Well, he calls himself he's the, the podfather. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you guys are uh, regular listeners to it? Just me, really, I think, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Very occasionally. I have listened yeah. to it in the past. It's a bit of a, he- a hero of mine, do you, Adam. Do you enjoy it, Matt, or do you have a, a separate opinion on it? Um, I, I can't. The last one I listened to was ages ago. I've been, I've gone a bit down the selling film the other day. They've gone down a bit of a UFO um, rabbit hole at the moment, yeah. listening to lots of stuff about, um, well, I say lots of stuff, but um, sort of things around Bob Lazar and Jacques Ballet. Um, trying to think of the other ones. Oh, I've listened to a couple with the Tic Tac guy. Um, David, Fra- from- David Fravor, right? Yeah, yeah. So there was... Last one I listened to, I think that'd be the last one because it was like I think it was almost four hours long. Was with Lex Friedman. It went into a lot of detail about what happened, but also about sort of like he's flying and stuff, which was dead interesting. Um, so I tend to, I think, what happens with me is I get into a subject and I, I listen to a podcast about it, and then I, that kind of leads me to other ones, basically. So prior to sort of like the UFOs, as I was listening to a lot about. Um, sort of trans issues and particularly sort of um, teenage girls transitioning and how that might be to do with sort of um, not necessarily actually being transgender, but um, other kind of mental health problems, basically. It's being masked by this. It was quite interesting. Yeah. It's a have, you, like that, basically. have you listened to uh, Dr. Deborah So? Yeah, so this, I think I listened to her a couple of times and... Um, the other, I can't remember, the other one who's the author. Uh, oh, she was a, a journalist, and I can't quite is it The one that was on Joe Rogan? Yeah. Yeah, and she, I've yeah. also listened to her on Kelly, Megan Kelly, her podcast as well. Oh, wow. Uh, Megan Kelly is pretty attractive. <laughs> <laughs> but her podcast, there's some of the things on her podcast, it's a similar sort of thing about, sort of, um, what do you call it, Phil, like the cultural war? The culture like war. talking about that, yeah, and uh, being sort of overly people being overly PC and things like that, and how it could be sort of negative and Marxist and all the rest of it. Basically, it's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, that author, the one that you're talking about that I mentioned, that was on Joe Rogan. She mm-hmm. on that show, she uh, said that medical age of consent for children in Oregon is 15. Yeah. So where I so where I live, if I had a fifteen year old daughter who wanted to transition, yeah. she could mm-hmm. go to Planned Parenthood without my consent. Yeah. And get testosterone replacement therapy. Yeah. Start and I transitioning. Think, I think what was more disturbing is how it's kind of been it's sold as a, a puberty blocker. Yeah. And that implies and and she was kind of saying that people have been told that um your puberty is blocked and therefore, you know, once you stop taking the testosterone or the puberty blockers, that the puberty kind of kicks in again, but it causes yeah. irreversible damage basically, you know? So if a boy starts taking estrogen or a girl starts taking testosterone, it can, it basically makes changes that sometimes just don't go away. It can make you infertile yeah. as well. And so Yeah. You know. They're irreversible changes. Mm. And then these guys, like if a, if a, 14 year old boy does that and then he 
yeah. becomes like 19 years old and he's just like, oh, I'm, yeah. I'm just a gay dude. Why did, why did I do this to myself? You know, like now I, yeah, now it's starting to happen. Yeah. It's starting to happen here. So there's, there's a case, uh, I can't remember her name, Kira, but she Kira. basically started to, sorry, what was that? Kira. Kira something. Yeah, that's it. Um, uh, but she's starting to transition and then transition back. And it's, it's basically there's a, there's a clinic in the UK called the Tavistock and uh, yeah. she's taking him through the courts. Um, now I'm not sure where it's up to. I think she's um, won. Right. Okay. I think she's won. And, and what was also disturbing is I basically, I work in like mental health in the NHS here and, um, it's this thing of um, you've got to affirm. So there's no challenging of the feeling that you're in the wrong body. And that doesn't sit right with me as a therapist, basically. The whole point of therapy is challenging people's perceptions, whether of themselves or the view of the world. And if you're just affirming what they feel, I think that's pretty dangerous. And I think it's, I think it's pretty legitimate, legitimate for a, a therapist to challenge those thoughts really. Um, especially when it's like life changing decisions when you're, um, you know, in your teens, basically, you yeah. know, I'm sure. And what they say is like most people kind of, um, transition on it and are happy with it. But, um, it's like this mass, it's like this explosion, isn't it? I think you said that some statistics were saying it's, gone up four thousand percent only in, um, only in girls though yeah, yeah teenage, like 15 year old girls right yeah and the other interesting thing which which she said which kind of stuck in my mind about why it might just be that it you know she was kind of saying it's deborah so and the other person i have to try and remember what her name was um was saying that uh it's basically the girls that would have maybe self-harmed or, you know, would have been really anxious or really depressed or had lots, you know, other kinds of mental health issues um, that are then sort of, um, it's like this contagious thought, basically. So the friend does it, then they say, right, I'm going to do it kind of thing. And that helps. That happens with like self-harm, suicide, stuff like that, basically. Yeah. Socially contagious. Um, but sorry, what I was saying was like the interesting thing about sort of um, what she was saying about specifically being this age group of teenage girls was that, you know, some trans activists will say um, that it's the reason that so many are coming out now is they've always been there and it's more socially acceptable. So the argument then is where are all the people, women in the 50s, uh, 60s, 70s saying, right, I'm going to transition now because it's socially acceptable and there's not there's no change basically in the amounts of people in that age group that are transitioning so it's a bit bit of a strange one that explanation doesn't account for the boom particularly in teenage girls this is uh, this seems like a social this is a social issue that's happening Mm. and we're dealing with kids at the end of the day and you know allowing kids to make life-changing decisions like that and being encouraged. It, I get the feeling, particularly with the Tavistock, that they were they're pushing, they're pushing for medical interventions and um, it's a dangerous road to go down. Mm, bit scary, really. So there was a, an instance of a, a, a young girl and she transitioned and then she transitioned 
or he transitioned back to mm-hmm. f- female. And you said yeah. that there was some issue in the court around that. Well, she's she's taking the the Tavistock. So the Tavistock is um, I don't know if it's I don't know if it's a site called a psychosexual service. That's what some of them are called, <clears throat> or it's, if it's just called a trans service, you know. A transgender service, but yeah, she has taken that service to court because um, she feels that she wasn't appropriately um, challenged when she was making decisions about her transition, basically. Mm. And I, I saw, I remember we watching a brief interview with her on like sort of Channel 4 News here, and she said that um, she, she had a lot of other kind of issues, anxiety and depression or whatever. Um, and said that she um, would have said anything in order for her to get the testosterone, basically, um, that she felt would make her feel better, essentially. But the other thing as well is that another thing that Deborah So said was um, that if you start taking testosterone, what happens is it, it, it reduces your level of anxiety and you feel more confident, apparently. Um, which is something that I was unaware of. So it has that kind of effect on you. So some people might actually feel better because of that. So that's a psychological, it's like a, a psychiatric treatment. There might be some benefit, but it comes with a big physical price, doesn't it? Well, yeah, yeah because you don't, you don't you, yeah, she said basically that these people um, probably are just, you know, are lesbians, gay, you know? So, you know... It, was just kind of attracted to girls. I think it's interesting the role that things like YouTube influences play in this and forums, you know, yeah. there are specific trans forums and, and these websites and YouTubers get passed around in these circles and it again, it's sort of reinforcing that this is the way to go and this is your your way forward. And it's not to say that we should be, you know, not, none of us care if someone wants to be transgender, that's fine. But uh, if, if you're pushing people, uh, spe- especially kids, in this direction, that's where I have an issue with it, really. You know, if you're an adult, as far as I'm concerned, if you're an adult, you can do whatever you want, do anything to yourself, you know. Yeah. How uh, old in, um, when in England are you an adult? 18. 18. Well, well um, there's other, like the age of consent um, sexually is like 16, but like... Um, Countrywide? Yeah, um, but then sort of like drinking is 18. Um, I think marriage might be 18 and things like that. Yeah, it's just, I think it's, it's smoking 21 now. I think, yeah, smoking's 21 now. Yeah, oh, yeah, that might be how it is here too. I'm not sure. Um, I'm not, I don't know either. I, I yeah, know like, drinking is 21, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and then and, um, um, sexual age of consent ranges from 16 to 18, depending on yeah. which imaginary lines you live between. So, <laughs> you know, one thing that what makes you cool in in Iowa makes you um, a pedophile in Montana. You know, so wow, it's yeah. uh, it's pretty ridiculous. So, like, if you look at um, if you're watching that R. Kelly documentary, like legal age of consent in Illinois where he lived is 17. So like all those 18 year olds, they're like totally legal or like all the 17 year olds are totally legal. There are some places in Europe where it's really low, isn't it? 
age of consent. Yeah, I think it's yeah. France 14, maybe. Well, that's I know, that's yeah, a bit much. Yeah. Isn't that, I mean, the age of marriage, can, you can legally marry at 14 in some of those weird... I mean, you could get married super early here if you have parental consent. Yeah, I guess you have to have parental consent. Like, there was, like, Mexican girls that I went to eighth grade with, and then, like, after eighth grade, I just never saw them again because they were, like, married at the house. Wow. Really? Yeah. No and, um, yeah, so... I think it's the same here. I think it's 16 with parental consent here, marriage. Well, I might be wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The uh, the Europe thing is uh, 14 in places like Austria, Estonia, Germany, Hungary, Italy, Portugal. Was wow. that for sex? Yeah. Or marriage? <laughs> Minimum age for sexual consent. Oh, 14 wow. set in seven member states, Austria, Bulgaria, Estonia, Germany, Hungary, Italy, and Portugal. And the highest is at 18 years in Malta. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. Now, I, is, I don't think that that's a hard and fast rule. I think if, <laughs> yeah. I think if you're in Australia and you're a 37-year-old guy and you're having sex with a 14-year-old <laughs> girl, um, yeah. I don't think you're going to get away with that. Yeah, it's, it's 13 in Japan as well, but I think there's there's alternate rules 13. and laws around associated with that. Yeah. Well, we're, in, we're um, in San Francisco. There's this guy named uh, he's like a San Francisco city councilman. This gay dude, Scott Weiner, Weiner, I think his name is, and he um, put into law proposed law that for male on male same-sex sodomy if the age disparity is le- is less than 10 years, it's not a crime. So a 24-year-old can butt-fuck a 14-year-old in San Francisco and it's, it's not against the law. That's outrageous. Yeah. Yeah. So I a seventeen-year-old could hook say up it, with a seven-year-old. Well, seventeen's <laughs> not legally an adult. Oh, okay. So, so like he wouldn't. I don't. I think that would still be. But I think it didn't. It didn't mean like eighteen and eight. It had. I think fourteen was the youngest age. Mm. So that sounds a bit dodgy, doesn't it? Oh yeah, it's terrible. Yeah. But I think the the logic behind it is I think it's it's traditionally been kind of I might be totally off on this I I don't have any experience with it but in the male gay community I think it's been kind of accepted over the years for like young guys to kind of get apprenticed in and like shown how to be gay by older guys you know there was a disparity here until recently wasn't there it was 21 for for homosexual consent and uh, was it 21 or 18? No, sorry, 18 for homosexual consent yeah. and 16 for, for heterosexual consent. Hmm. And they've just, they've just um, recently made, I think it's, it must be both 16 now because there's parity. Yeah. Um, I didn't think this is what we were going to be talking about tonight. <laughs> <laughs> the, the guy Scott Weiner who made that rule, who made that law also made the law that it, it was no longer a felony to knowingly have if you had 
HIV or AIDS to have oh. sex with someone without giving them without letting them know. Oof. Isn't that the same in California? That's that's where he is. Yeah. That's where. He is. Yeah, I heard about this. That's I think on Scott Weiner. Yeah, if you look him up, the the picture that comes up is him with like no shirt on and a leather vest, <laughs> and he's like uh, at the Folsom Street Fair, which is like this gigantic like open air S&M. like, gay S and M like have sex in the street thing that they do every year. Well, the the Pride festivals have have come under a bit of uh, flack in recent years because of of the. S and M stuff, and you know, um, if you want to take your kid to a pride festival, do you want to see a guy dragging another guy around by a leash? Yeah, in the I mean, it's not really a children's activity, so that's kind of. I, I mean, you live in San Francisco, you go to the pride festival, you're going to see some weird stuff that you're. That's you know, if you're a heterosexual person, that's not normal, but it's not totally normal in that community most of the time. So don't take your four year old kid. To, to do that, you know, mm-hmm. so you might get but some it difficult. You know, you can see that just on a normal day, on a weekday. You know, I remember sitting at some tea shop in South of Mission <laughs> with Emily Adams' wife, who's my daughter, and um, I'm sitting there looking out the window, and a man walks by. He's got on his high top, you know, Converse and a, a single sock. That's it. On his foot? No. No. That's why it. Was he only, why was he only wearing one sock? I don't know. <laughs> I wanted to go ask him, but your wife wouldn't let me. Um. So, you know, Deborah, it's legal to be nude in San Francisco. I think I did know that. Yeah. You can't be erect. That's against the law. But oh, you can well. legally be nude. Okay. But as soon as you get a boner, you're breaking the law. <laughs> That's that's real. <laughs> I think you probably so, saw one of the I, red hot I chili live, peppers. I live in I live in Oregon now. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh dear. So how yeah. are you how are you guys finding podcasting? Because what are you what were you are you about seventeen eighteen episodes in now? Yeah. Mm-hmm. How are you, fi- how you finding it all? You go, Deborah. Well, Adam kind of dragged me into this kicking and screaming, <laughs> and uh, no, he didn't really, but it was all his idea. I didn't even know what a podcast was. I mean, I'm a Luddite. I don't know, but uh, um, he thought it would be amusing to uh, take me down this this journey into this rabbit hole and and blow my mind and he's done it a few times now so uh um hopefully he's happy with it but yeah it's been really interesting for me i get exposed to stuff i would never ever have been aware of you know like um i use this as the example i was totally un i had never heard of tower seven in our 9-11 uh thing that happened here and um you know now it's 20 years later and i'm just Mm -hmm. learning about you know something that huge and i'm not alone i mean everybody most of the people i think in the u.s really just bought the story about you know 9-11 and the towers falling and um so yeah it's been eye-opening some of it's very uncomfortable yeah, because I mean, you 
it's it's sort of changing your your entire notion of of history and reality isn't it if you Mm -hmm. yeah can't take it at face value any longer wow so what 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 is your sort of thinking about 9-11 now as someone who's you know been going up you know just accepted the official story up until recently are you sort of swaying or yeah definitely I mean um it's kind of hard to not uh I mean the proof is there you know there's there's so much information out there that uh disputes the 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 possibility of it happening the way it did or the way they say it did so um it's i mean it makes me spin you know did you see the video uh it was a bbc reporter on the day who was um was it what did it what did he what did she say adam about tower seven yeah we talked about this deborah is she's standing on top of a building giving a report about how tower seven had crumbled had gone down and it hasn't gone down yet you can see it in the background and it's like 27 (laughs) minutes before it happens there there's so much information that i I can't hold on to all of it in my head because i think my head is just yeah it was cool like um right that was our second episode so what I thought I was going to do for the podcast was that I, it was just going to be me and her. And every week I was going to like have enough time to like research a specific conspiracy theory and do like eight hours of research during the week <laughs> and then like just present it to her. And I'm like, uh, after like the, we did that, another guy came on for that one, a, like a local comedian who was successful in turning his mother into a nine 11 truther. <laughs> so we had him on, he was perfect, but then like we did uh the franklin scandal and stuff like that and I, I i already knew a lot about that and then i still had to do like five hours of research i was like i can't you know i'm a working guy i work four 10 hour days a week you know and then like i can't i can't make it make it home do all this research and then so i was like well maybe i should just start reaching out to people that seem totally unattainable to come on the show <laughs> and it worked like our sixth episode, we got Charlie Robinson on and, uh, it was, it was rad, you know? And, um, since then, like everybody's been totally receptive and like said, yes, a couple of people haven't like written back. That's no big deal. One guy kind of big timed us and canceled and then said he'd reschedule and then never like returned to any of my stuff. But I'm not like worried about it. Like we have, we were like three months of stuff lined up right now. Have yeah. Wow. And, uh, yeah, I always, like, it's so cool because, like, even if we don't end up ever, like, I'm not trying to profit from this or or do anything. I get to spend a couple hours a week with my mother-in-law, who I love, and then I get to talk to all these famous people and, like, or famous people that are famous to me that I've, like, looked up to for a long time and been listening to. I kind of relate it to, I do Brazilian jiu-jitsu, so, like, it's kind of the same thing. Like, you have – it's weird because, like, I'll sometimes at my gym I'll walk out of the locker room and there'll be, like, some famous MMA guy there just, like, working out. And you have, like, access to all these people that are, like, not on the same level as you, but they're usually, like, pretty friendly and, like, willing to help you out. So it's really cool. Um, we've got so much good stuff on the books and – yeah, and you know, as much as she's like getting her mind blown and learning, like I'm doing the I'm doing the same thing too. So 
Well, we had we had Charlie on a few weeks ago, didn't we? Four weeks ago or something. Yeah, he's really nice, isn't he? Yeah, he's a great, a great dude, and like, yeah, the the really powerful thing about what he does is like he knows he knows so much, and but he started becoming like this obsessive researcher because he had gotten into like conspiracy conversations with people and like knew what his points were, but couldn't like really relay them like accurately or like in a way that, that convinced other people. And yet, you know, everybody, I think when you first start like getting into the truth stuff and you want to like go out and tell everybody about it. And then they'll ask you like one question that you can't like follow up with, be like, Oh shit, I didn't, I didn't do my homework enough on this to like be able to go out and tell everybody about it. So um, that happened to him and then he is what he is now. So, and it's funny cause it happened to him at Thanksgiving dinner talking <laughs> about nine 11. So yeah, I heard that story. It's like an encyclopedia. Yeah. We, we went yeah. through the whole octopus with him pretty much. Yeah. Know? I mean, I got, I got both, I got right in the desk right here. I got both of them. So, you know, <laughs> they're, they're, uh, reference books, you know, so. So there's definitely uh, like a community feeling I feel with uh, with podcasters, yeah. And this is, yeah. I think, why you know you. I mean, everyone gets let down. We've had a few let downs, haven't we, at the last minute? And um, mm. but that that most happens. But I think, right? yeah, most people have been you know incredibly friendly, and um, there's definitely sort of a community atmosphere when it comes to podcasting. I feel. Yeah. Yeah, like the, it, but it was cool too. Like the, um, Deborah and I usually will start. What we're gonna do now is we, since we don't do any editing, we start like ten or fifteen minutes early and do all our business stuff, and then like buzz the guest into the, into the meeting and just go from there. Yeah. And um, the guy that just didn't, the guy that just didn't show up on us, like we still like we're like, oh, he's not here. Let's just keep going. And it was like really a positive feeling being able to talk for like an hour and hour and a half just free and just have it like flow and be be a good talk yeah. back and forth without like any struggle or, or awkward silences you know just because our first episode i remember being like oh there's something some actual skill to this you know that you don't really <laughs> realize when you're just listening to podcasts because the first one we did 37 minutes and it was like impossible you know so <laughs> We've and t- now we're like, it's probably still yeah. not the best, but we're still able to like talk and flow and, and get points out. We've talked about it before. It's like the lost art of conversation because, you know, over mm-hmm. the last decade, so much of our communication has gone online. And uh, whether yeah. it be Facebook Messenger or text messages or WhatsApp. So true. And, yeah, uh, nobody has conversations anymore. Yeah. yeah like this, this is so true. Like how often does, you know, somebody will call you on the phone and you'll be like, oh, I have to pick up a phone call. This is going to be awkward. So you just silence the phone call and then text them back. What's going on? You know? So, yeah. And TV as well. And, and, and media, you see people, you know, a lot of people they get home from work, they're tired, they sort out the dinner, put the kids to bed and uh, they're pretty exhausted and they just want to put a box set up on, on Netflix and just watch that and zone out until they have to go to bed and wake up and do it all over again the next day. Whereas back, you know, thousands of years ago, you had to make your own entertainment around the campfire and you would sing yeah. songs and tell stories and, you know, re- relive your um, cultural myths and your, you know, your folklore and all this sort of stuff. And we're missing a lot of that, that human mm-hmm. connection. 
Yeah. Yeah, as uh, I talked about it on the episode we did yesterday, but um, this last, uh, I'm in a group. Maybe I'll get it out there for your listeners to check out. It's called um, freedomcells.org. Right. And it's, uh, they have it everywhere. Do you guys know who Derek Bros is? No. You should check him out. He's a really good uh, independent researcher. Um, but well, there's this website called freedomcells.org, and you sign up for it. It's just kind of a crappy website, but it puts you up on a, um, you make a profile. It shows you where you're, it puts you on a map and it shows you like everybody within like however many miles you want, like 50 miles. And then you're just able to connect with those people. And the, the thought is that everybody that joins the website is like a freedom, liberty minded people, people, you know, and then inherently that the crossover between like freedom and liberty loving people and conspiracies is usually pretty heavy. So, um, I went on there and, um, connected with a group of people and we have, um, bi-monthly meetups where we meet at, um, a secret location and nobody wears a mask and we just sit in a circle and go around and talk about, you know, our plans to get out of town. Um, what, what we're uh, planning on doing, you know, different conspiracy stuff sometimes, which is pretty fun. And just, um, and then so we do that every other week. And then on Friday night, um, we invited everybody that's been to a meeting to come over to our house for like an underground farmer's market. Wow. And like people, and that, you know, that's a revolutionary act right now. That's like an act <laughs> of like complete defiance to have people over to spend time at your house and do something that's like absolutely positive and like necessary for like human growth and interaction. So, yeah, that's, was, where, we, uh, that's where we found like ourselves. People did commerce and bought stuff from each other, but even more than that, it was just like people hanging out with each other and being able to spend time in like what seemed like a somewhat normal setting that we used to be a normal thing to do a year ago it's amazing well uh, i'll have to put the link in the uh, show notes for that yeah i'll put it in ours too yeah no it sounds interesting trying to find like-minded people i guess isn't it and form a community and and all that it's amazing uh, how many like like um just normal like middle-aged soccer moms have showed up and are like pissed off you know like normal people and they're living in like Southeast Portland and all over the Southeast Portland is like the ultimate, like woke, you know, liberal part of part of close to where I live. So there's like people out there and they're just like afraid to speak out. And like people are talking about how 75% of the, if they're, if they're willing to be honest, 75% of the people that were in their life before the pandemic started aren't anymore. And, just stuff like that so it's interesting to get a handle on sort of how many people who are going along with the current situation but in their own mind they they sort of disagree with it but are afraid to speak out it's a difficult thing to try and quantify isn't it yeah so yeah i mean just uh that one little little bit of like being back to back to normal helps out a lot gives you a little bit of hope when it's like pretty easy to be black pill these days. Well, just to give you an idea, we had our first lockdown on the 23rd of March. And in our particular area, I think we had a two-week spell at the end of July where it was almost normal. Mm. Yeah. 
But apart from that two weeks, from the 23rd of March, we've been in some form of lockdown or non-essential shops being shut. Yeah. And uh, I can't believe how placid our population is that people are still going along with this. Yeah, that's what I wanted to ask you guys about. You guys are unarmed as well. Um, yes. Makes it easier, What are your guys' it? thoughts on, like, uh, gun control and, like, firearms in America and stuff like that? Um, I think from my perspective, I've always kind of thought it's, it's a very strange um, thing. It's But then, you know, to have a, have a firearm and then, like, it's – in the UK, is this kind of term, is it called policing by consent? You kind of heard that where yeah. it's like, so I've always kind of thought that it's like almost if you have the population with firearms or easy access to firearms, it kind of creates a necessity then for the police to have firearms and that causes issues and things like that. Um, but then more recently I've kind of heard um sort of, you know, the reasons behind having firearms, you know, I think, Phil, you've mentioned that kind of being able to hold the government to account and stuff, you know, that, in America, that kind of thing. That was um, the whole part of the amendment, really. It was to protect yeah. yourselves from... From a tyrannical government. Yeah. Yeah. So that, you know, that kind of makes sense, but I don't know. I'm still undecided about it all, I think, really. You see, the um, thing is... Uh, we, we have a totally different culture, you see, that we've grown up in compared to you mm. when it comes to firearms, and it's it's an alien thing to us, and that's why we see it as being weird. But I'm, yeah. I'm more of your mind, Adam, I think, whereas I'm pretty much sort of a classical liberal in my outlook and that, you know, the government has no right telling me what to do or what I yeah. can do, who I can associate with, and if I want to own a firearm, I should be able to own a firearm. Doesn't mean I have yeah. to go out and buy one, but I should have the option. Yeah, and I think like, you can um, you can put a lot of sort of safety stuff in there. You can say, well, you've got to do a a course over two weekends. You've got to be able to do it safely. You should. You could look at maybe having a license system. That seems to make sense to me. Um, checks for things like mental health conditions. That seems like a logical, you know, step to have. But you know, if you can fulfil those criteria, I don't see why you shouldn't be able to have a firearm. I think everybody should be able to have anything they want. But, um, yeah, I didn't grow up with, with guns either. And then, you know, as soon as, soon as like, it always happens when, when people start, like, gun sales are through the roof here because Joe Biden, you know. Like, everybody's going out and be like, oh, well, I kind of want an AR-15. Maybe if he's saying that we can't have AR-15s, there's a reason why I should probably have one. You know, so I didn't grow up with guns. My dad didn't have guns. I didn't grow up hunting or anything like that. And the purpose of the Second Amendment isn't about hunting. I'm not really a fan of the Second Amendment anyways. I don't think, like, some old guy who wrote something on a piece of paper gives me the is what gives me the right to protect my myself and my family from harm. I think that was, like, there from who, whatever created me, you know. So, um. Yeah, what's like? What do you guys? What's what do you do if someone does a home invasion at your house? Phone the police. Call the, po- <laughs> call the police and have them just come and do the paperwork over your dead body. Yep. Yeah. Um, well, I think the likelihood that your the robber in the UK would have a firearm is 
might be less than in the US, I would guess. Yeah, but there's probably guys in the in the UK that would home invade you that could beat the shit out of you and beat you to death yeah. with a yeah. club, a baseball with the bat, stick in the pantry. Yeah, so, so you know, I think it's fair enough to kind of defend yourself in your own home. I yeah. would say. But you know, our gun laws limit our ability to defend ourselves in our own home. I think that's what our, our Adam's getting at. Yeah. You can have crossbows, can't you? <laughs> or, or a longbow. <laughs> yeah. Just uh, hold on while I knock this uh, arrow. <laughs> yeah. Let me hold on. Wait a second. I gotta go. I gotta go grab my quiver. I'll be right back. <laughs> well, there was a case, wasn't there? Wasn't there a case about um, there's like a seventy odd year old man, and a guy came into his house and. They had some sort of struggle, and the seventy-year-old man stabbed this guy with a screwdriver in the heart, basically, and he died. Um, and he was arrested, but there was such an uproar in the media and like through local people that this guy had been arrested, and he would like spent. It was basically they hadn't released him, kind of thing, after he was arrested, and um, that it was basically just quashed, wasn't it? I think they even go to court in the end. There's been a few few high-profile cases. I remember one from about 10 years ago, and I think it was a farmer. Uh, yeah, who had a, Tony Martin. Tony Martin. Yeah. And uh, you yeah. can have a, a shotgun for hunting. There is, you, can, it, you can have a shotgun. It's pretty yeah. hard. It's not a simple process. You get inspected, I think, every year. I think the police come around yeah. periodically. It's got to be locked yeah. up in a case. There are all sorts of, you know, um, procedural things hoops that you have to jump through but yeah this farmer had been a had a home invasion he'd, he'd shot and killed the invader and i think he was charged with murder wasn't he he went to prison he went to prison i think didn't he yeah um that was this this his kind of story was like from what i remember was his farm had been targeted for ages by i don't know if it was the same people or different groups of thieves and um, he'd like chase them off, chase them off, uh, like shooting into the air, or whatever. And then this particular occasion, he shot them in the back while they were running away. And yeah, I think that'll that'll someone. get you that'll get you sent to prison here too. Yeah, yeah. So it was more, I think, the actual. I, I'm, I don't, yeah, I'm pretty sure he got sent to prison for it, but it was more. Yeah, it's like that kind of thing. I, I think it might have been different if he was in the house. And he was, you know, coming towards him and he shot him, you know, face on rather than him running away. Yes, yeah, question back. of self-defence. I mean, there was a famous mm-hmm. uh, case recently. I th- wasn't that in Portland, isn't it? The Cal Rittenhouse? No, that was in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Kenosha, that was it, yeah. But yeah, it was, around, it was at that time during the summer and then people got shot downtown here too. In Portland? Really? Yeah. Antifa shot an Antifa guy shot at like a more like one of the like a Trump guy here. We played yeah, it. We played uh, yeah, the clip yeah. on our show. Yeah, mm. a few months ago. But that one, that case was super fishy too. Like that guy, um, the guy that shot the guy that murdered the dude, like got caught later up in Washington, and he got shot. And it was like some weird task force that that had a whole bunch of different agencies blended into it, and. uh yeah, so I think they killed that guy to shut him up because I think there was some nefarious stuff going on with that. Ooh. That's just my speculation. Nothing's come out about it yet. And it's just kind of been swept under the rug. So 
<laughs> yeah, uh, tomorrow's chip wrapper again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, um, yeah. What? So, what got you guys started? Who wants to go? Okay, um, I think uh, when we okay. when we first <laughs> when we uh, when we first did it, we were in Phil's garage before it was converted into that um, parlor <laughs> of sin. <laughs> um we the the kind of drive behind it was that you know we we'd all listen to podcasts I, I started quite a while ago with um uh listening to you know the kevin smith sort of podcast and i know phil you listen to some of those too the um tell him steve dave and things like that back in oh god knows how long it it yeah. be ago now that was young kevin smith. smith's like number two after adam curry right yeah yeah, so it's it's fairly early on, and um, we we really wanted to. I think initially it was down to this um, bringing back the art of conversation, like Phil says, and um, and having some sort of record, um, uh, almost like a legacy. So, you know, we we all have kids, and and they will be able to listen to a, a select few episodes of our podcast. Yeah. Uh, yeah. At, you know, in the future at some point, uh, should they want to, but. It, you know, it, it it sticks around. It it is a legacy. I, I don't think this um, these hundreds and hundreds of hours that we've got under our belt now are, uh, are going to go away anytime soon. I mean, it's it's out there for everyone, and it's and it's available to as like a record of the of the day um, of the times that that we're in for future generations to have a listen to. So that was really what attracted me to to doing it. Um, but you know, I want it to be a little bit funny. I suppose doesn't always work out, <laughs> but uh, you know, it's it's nice to to get together with um, with these guys once a week. And we had a kind of we had a realization. Or certainly, I did. I had a real realization that I didn't meet um, three of my grandparents. Three of my grandparents died before I was born, and all I had was the odd photo, the odd black and white photo. And we live in an age now where you can record hours of audio and video. And it seems almost remiss not to take that opportunity. And that, you know, when I pop my clogs, hopefully in a very long time, you know, my future offspring, grandchildren, you know, if they were interested, they would actually be able to get to know me and sort of get to know a bit of my personality. What a silly goose I am. (laughs) <laughs> you know, and I think it's I think it's important. I think it's like you're saying, uh, Ben, about the legacy. I think that was something that drove me towards it, as well as the social interaction that we're, like we said before, we're all missing because we do everything over the internet and text and whatever, and mm. having a connection with people, conversational connection with people, your friends. You know, why not take that opportunity? But I mean, it's it's developed quite a long way since that start, hasn't it? Particularly oh, yeah. over, over the last year, we've started having guests on and doing more current affairs stuff and bringing clips in and, and stuff like that. So it has developed. I think we realised after about 100 episodes that we end up talking about the same things, <laughs> same things yeah. every week. <laughs> yeah. You know, the Stone Ape Theory and, uh, <laughs> and uh, Ancient Taking Rome. Your yeah, 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 Ancient Rome stuff. <laughs> yeah. By you, Matt. But, uh, it was the same, wasn't it? I think you you got me with the what Ben said that you can record everything, basically. 
Um, but also, um, we did, we never saw each other, did we? That <laughs> yeah. was the other thing. We never saw each other. That was you guys good. all grew up together. Yeah. 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 As like as like teenage kids and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, we went to school. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's awesome. I'm not in, I'm not in contact with anyone from from like you know the so, age of 22 before the age of 22. So that's wow. awesome. You guys still have that connection. Mm-hmm. And uh, us men, we need an excuse to do it as well. We're not mm-hmm. like uh, the girls who'll, who'll ring mm-hmm. their sister or their best mate and just have a chat on the phone <laughs> for half an hour. Men don't need don't do that. We need a reason. We need to be. Able, mm-hmm. We need to go to the football match to do it, or go to the yeah. pub mm-hmm. to do it. You know, mm-hmm. so yeah, it, forced, it forced us. Yeah, it forced Nowadays us. Nowadays, you it. can't do any of that. No. <laughs> well, no, we were we were going to be able to meet up as well and do a do the podcast together, weren't we? But that's been had to be cancelled as well because uh, yeah. the new the new lockdown rules. Because it was supposed to be was it five three days or five days over Christmas? You five could mingle days. five yeah, days. Five days. Um, but it's stopped. We stop that now. Yeah. Well, did you guys? Did you guys all come from um, different? Like, think your favorite pod or your favorite conspiracies? Did you guys were all on the same page, or is it, do you each have a, a specialty? I think we have a bit of a spectrum, really. Yeah. Because yeah. we're not strictly a conspiracy theory podcast. We're sort of skirting on the edges. Yeah. So we do talk we'll about we do talk about conspiracies, but we also talk about ancient history, hidden history, alternative history. Mm. We've talk, we've done podcasts on things like near death experiences, haven't we? With um, God, I'm blanking on his name, Ian Lyons. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Um, that's a good one. Some occult stuff, you know. With Rudolph, mm. we talked about the Western esoteric tradition, which you know sort of plays. It's sort of in the same arena as conspiracy theory, but yeah. So it's, you know, I think we have different views. I'm probably the most hardcore. Yeah. They're the mother of madness. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know. I still don't know where you two are. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think you yeah, think you are, you're beginning to red pill me. Phil, <laughs> as you said in your opening, there are some things, aren't there? That you can't, I think, beginning you know there are things that aren't told and there's the way the information is presented is um conspiratorial i guess um but yeah i don't know yeah i don't know how far i go down the whole basically it is a spectrum isn't it yeah Um, yeah from people who sort of just take the news with a pinch of salt to hollow earth lizard people (laughs) <laughs> and all the rest of it and and there's a, I got a I got a hollow earth guy on the calendar oh, yes. I can't wait the kind of flat earth yeah oh don't yeah. Jin, don't jinx us Matt all right yeah, yeah. <laughs> say it we'll, we'll tell him later okay <laughs> <laughs> oh man we're gonna we're gonna have to bounce soon chaps yeah we're, we're already what time is it where you are uh, nearly quarter past nine, nine. In the evening. Mm-hmm. Good. Yeah. Good, good. We'll, um, we'll put all the links in the show notes. Um, okay. Yes. And, you know, your social media and stuff. And that community group you mentioned, Adam, as well. Freedom yeah, freedomcells.org. Yeah, 
Yeah, so we'll, we'll put all the links. Yeah, it's, in the it's, uh, it's international. There's people in different countries and stuff. So Cool. Yeah. Sounds interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. This was really yeah, really thank fun to you. talk to you guys. No problem. Great, great thank to you. meet you. Nice really enjoyed it. Well, yeah. Same. All right, guys. Be well. Yeah. Yes. All right. Gee. Take care. We'll see you later. See you later. Bye. Right then. We're back. I don't the like a button. The cripple and the mother of madness. Oh, I just hit two pads <laughs> at once. Fuck that up royally, didn't I? You did. That was our chat with Adam and Deborah from Deborah Gets Red Pilled. Yeah. Nice guys. Yeah. It's good fun. A little cultural mm. exchange. Yeah, as always. Yeah, so the uh, the links will be in the show notes. If you scroll down, you can find um, find Deborah Gets Red Pilled on all the social media stuff. And the, uh, I'm not sure if they have a website or not. I think they, I'm pretty sure they do. Um, so check them out. They're getting some really good guests on. Mm-hmm. And uh, yep. loads in the pipeline. That sounds exciting. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Check it out. Right. Mm-hmm. Should we do some housekeeping? Yeah. yeah. Why not? Housekeeping. 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 I'm a blind man. Become a producer. Support the show. How do I become a producer? I hear you cry. Amish Ben. Let's have some reviews on iTunes, please. Uh, five iTunes. stars or less. <laughs> yeah, just any. Any review. Yeah, you can or review. Five stars. Any review. You can review is uh, night exclusive on iTunes. Wherever you listen to podcasts, you can probably uh, drop us a like or a review. That's a good way yeah. to help out. MyHammer.com. Trust pilots. Uh, TripAdvisor, all all the greats. We'll take any. Subscribe to the YouTube channel if you want to. uh... (laughs) Sorry? Send messages. (laughs) What, just in, what, like a message in a bottle? Send messages to us. Various, uh, you know, social media accounts, anything. Wherever we are, Podbean. Slip into our DMs. Yeah. Into our Doc Martens, as Ben would say. Seems logical. (laughs) Yeah, you can DM us on Insta. You can email us at thearmistinquisition at gmail.com. Yeah. We don't bite. Subscribe to YouTube. Yeah, we're getting hooking the subscribers. Hand over fist on YouTube at the moment. You can uh, buy merch from the Amish loot chest. Ooh. Your um, literally a communist mug or a hoodie or your current great yeah. t-shirts. Yeah, all excellent quality. They are. I have it on. Uh... And what a perfect time to be buying it at Christmas as well. Oh, so yeah. Fun. Yeah, cause, because the month of December, all proceeds are going to St. Catherine's Hospice. So do, Correct. do a bit for charity, mate. Yeah. yeah. Buy a fucking, and, uh, put on your fucking muzzle, face mask. Uh, you know, you can look cool as well. That's the that's the important thing. You can look cool yeah. in an Amish Inquisition hoodie and also help a charity. I mean, what else would you need to do as a wokey? Yeah, uh, tell your friends. Tell your friends about it if you enjoy the podcast. Um, share it about. 
because we need yeah. we need help getting the word out. Um, yeah. more, one of the main important ways of becoming a producer is sending us clips, sending us videos, uh, memes for Insta, news articles yeah. that are interesting and widely unreported sources. We need sources. Uh, Alan, no agenda. So yeah, that's yeah, another yeah. good way to help. Chili sauce. And uh, the number one way to become become a producer is to just toss us a fucking coin. Yeah. Toss a coin to your witcher, oh valley of plenty. Valley I think you're hitting plenty, hitting the point, Phil. Oh, that uh, it really bothers me. Because I, I believe I've, I have an issue in this respect. Yeah, I have, a, I have an issue in this respect. We don't get enough donations, so go to thearmistinquisition.com, find the PayPal button, and um, give us a one-off. You sign up for a monthly subscription. You know, mm. instead of buying a coffee, buy us a coffee, malarkey. Just give us your cold yeah. hard cash. Yeah. In the form Good of a work, PayPal yeah. donation. Yeah, just set up, set up a subscription, £5 or $5 a month. Yeah, fine. That's an acceptable amount. I think it is yeah. for the if you you know it's the value for value method uh, model which Adam and, mm-hmm. and Deborah use as well. The value for value model. If you find this yeah. podcast valuable, if you enjoy it, put a number on that value, and mm-hmm. and uh, <sighs> consider donating it. Consider not having an upward limit on the value. There is definitely not an upward limit. No. Oh, if only we so had a don't... couple of really rich benefactors. A couple of super fans. Like sugar daddies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Some, a couple of guys in the British Virgin Islands. Yes. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah. Chuck us a grand every now and again. That would be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah. Number one. Number one podcast in the British Virgin Isles. <laughs> That's right. what I'm talking about. All right. Get I better... Um, oh. Better thank the producers for episode 164, aren't I? Yes. Country, country Fried Zen, The Hundredth Monkey, Graham Dunlop, Tamborist 2020, Nomi Nosnodge, Robert, Robert's Day 78, Diogenes of Sinope, Armish Mel, Anonymous, and everyone who bought merch this week. Thank you. You're so amazing in your love. They are. Yeah. So amazing in their. Love are literally the best mate. I've been coming to terms with the fact that I'm a blind man. The dwarf, the currants, the grape, the homophobe, the winds, the asthma, the crumpup, cunts, the number 11, the blind man, the fallen on the horizon, the cripple and the mother of the bickering from hell. Wait on. <laughs> I don't get it, never will. Thanks for your support for another week. Mm. All you eavesdroppers out there, that's making the show possible. Mm. Alright, shall we move on then? <laughs> okay. Here we go. COVID 19 news. 
Put on your fucking muzzle if you go to the shop. The magic vaccine. A big fat shot in the ass from hell. Oh! You know, it's just, you know, super painful. Like a judgment day in Terminator. Mostly. More lives this year than any other year for the past hundred years. Two million people have to die. This is such a crock of shit. This is Sonny Pickering! Who the fuck's that? Yeah, me! Got a few interesting items for the COVID news this week. Um, I'll start with the PCR process. Ben's frozen. <laughs> yeah, his video's frozen. I don't know if he's still there. there. I don't know. <laughs> anyway. this, this is embarrassing. <laughs> this, is, this has never happened before. Hopefully he'll sort himself out. Anyway, right. Amish, Amish Matt and Amish Phil will handle this crisis. <laughs> I can, I can I BBC News present it. Oh, he's back. <laughs> Hi. Sorry. <laughs> you froze. You were sort of in the middle of picking your nose and the screen yeah. froze. It was a bit awkward. Sounds about right. I'm going to start with the PCR. I saw an Instagram post from the 100th Monkey about the WHO updating its guidance on PCR testing. And uh, we had a bit of back and forth. That was early in the week. And then on Thursday's No Agenda, Adam covered the story. And uh, right. he's, he's far more eloquent and better at cold reading than me. So I pulled the clip from Thursday's No Agenda. Let's hear what this is about. Just in time for the vaccine, the World Health Organization has released uh, an important directive regarding... Um, uh, this is for IVD users. This would be the tech technicians... Um, who perform the PCR, quote, test. And they are now uh, saying that, the um, purpose of this notice, to ensure users of certain nucleic acid testing technologies are aware of certain aspects of the instructions for use, the IFU, for all products. Description of problem. World Health Organization has received user feedback on an elevated risk for false SARS-CoV-2 results when testing specimens using RT-PCR reagents on open systems. Oh, well. And now, so what they say in this is you really need to make sure you follow the directions carefully because, you know, you could be doing it wrong. (laughs) And, And they literally say here, um... The design principle of PCR means that for patients with high levels of circulating virus, relatively few cycles will be needed to detect virus, and so the count value will be low. Uh, Conversely, when specimens return a high count value, it means that many cycles were required to detect the virus. In some circumstances, the distinction between background noise and actual presence of the target virus is difficult to ascertain. So they say, please check your cycles, which in my mind means lower the cycles. We got the vaccine. (laughs) <laughs> interesting timing from this notice from the who yeah they're going to be requiring that you put down the number of cycles and that you also take into account clinical signs and patient history this is a oh. game cha- this could be a, a game changer mm. So the, the you won't be allowed to do sort of 50 cycles anymore? Well, we do 45, most of the labs in this country. I looked on the PHE website weeks uh, ago. And what's the, what was the recommended upper limit? Is it 30 or 35? 30. 30. For, for meaningful results. But the way it, okay. it, it amplifies, it, I think it doubles mm. each time. 
So it's like, a, it's like, a, what do they call it when a curve is straight up? Pa- uh, um, uh, uh, <laughs> oh, God. Exponential. Exponential, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. So the difference between 40 cycles, the difference between 40 cycles and 45 is massive. Well, yeah, yeah. Has anyone um, modelled it backwards, like done some statistical modelling to see what the case rate would be if they were using 30 cycles? They don't. They've never been made or advised to note, make a note of the cycles. Oh, so we don't even know if they're using 45 or 48 or... Well, we don't know where 31. where the virus was detected. You just get a positive or a negative, but they run oh it at God, 45 yeah. cycles. So any dead yeah, bits of fragment of virus, RNA, gets picked up. But this could be changing. This might be the, the ramp down that coincides, mm. coincides with the... The magic vaccine. Yeah, it's just super painful. <laughs> um, Mike, st- Mike Pence said it this week said he didn't feel a thing <laughs> did he? just just a little prick <laughs> uh, had it as well didn't she from Bake Off and Ian McKellen yeah uh, I think that's it two people in the UK vaccinated so far <laughs> I think it's 300, 325,000 I've had it. That sounds like a big number when you say it like that, but when you consider there are 65 million people in the country um, yeah, no. vaccinating for a week, we're probably looking at maybe five years at this rate to, to get that many people. <laughs> well, that suits me. What, what, what I read is when the Oxford vaccine comes, they said it's two million a week they'll be able to do. They're mixing it with Sputnik, apparently. <laughs> you know Sputnik Five. They're doing trials where they're they're, uh, they're doing a, a mixed dosage, uh, mixing the Oxford with the the Sputnik. Did you hear if, if they can improve the efficacy? Did you hear that the you know the participants of the Pfizer trial? They're uh, they're planning on destroying the control. They're going to vaccinate the control group after six months. Oh. Yeah. For ethical reasons. Which is uh, um, a bit worrying. The, what? The... Right, okay. Yeah, they're going to vaccinate the control. They're not destroying the control group. <laughs> yeah, they are. Well, they're destroying the evidence, aren't they? Destroying yeah. the evidence before it emerges. Terminate. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, in, in 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 scientific parlance, they're destroying the control group. Yes, they're not physically um, destroying mm. the, those people. <laughs> Did you see for ethical well, reason? <laughs> here, they're not going to vaccinate pregnant or breastfeeding mothers. Oh no, you can't I read do that. that. This morning, yeah. Mm. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because well, we've talked about the well, they weren't involved in the in the study, which is common. Yeah, practice. they've no data. Yeah. You can't have pregnant, yeah. Uh, but I don't think um, pregnant women are advised to have the flu jab. Oh, they they certainly weren't back in the day. There's pro- there's probably different different ones they can have now. But you've done. I the, think it's fairly standard. Haven't you done a bit of research into the new platform, the RNA platform, Ben? 
not enough to be able to talk about it yet. But yeah, no. I'm, I'm looking at it. I just wanted to ask because I, I was wondering why they felt the need to put the the bioluminescent ingredient in there. That that part from a, a marine animal. Oh, the um, uh, yeah, it's uh, oh, what is it? I've seen a lot of vaccines. It's for detecting endotoxins in oh. when you're doing your quality control. It's horseshoe crabs. Mm. I forget what the the exact stuff is, but it's but yeah, horseshoe crab blood is is really important in in vaccine production. What's it? Control. What does it do? I believe, and if I get this wrong, I'll uh, I'll get lynched. But it's something to do with detecting endotoxins. Toxins. What does that mean? They are toxins created by um, uh, agents that perhaps shouldn't be in the vaccine. So, as part of quality control, you you, you know, if it's uh, contaminated with something that produces endotoxins, then that test would it'll glow in the dark. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> They use when you said bioluminescence. They, they use that in um, in the PCR test. I was I was um, yeah, I was making a, a a leap between the two for a bit, but yeah. Okay, well, um, we'll stick with the PCR. I promised a clip last week from the inventor of the PCR, Kerry Mullis, about how oh. the the PCR process can question your notion of what physical reality really is. <laughs> so I've got that. This is from, uh, I don't know, he was doing a public spe- uh, public speaking engagement somewhere and was being asked questions. Are ...to estimate uh, all these so- supposed... He's asked a question about um, possible misuse of the PCR uh, process. Three viral RNAs that may or may not be there. Uh, is this, um, I think misused PCR is not quite... I don't think you can misuse PCR. No, the results, the interpretation of it. See, if you if you if you can say, if if, if they wanted, if, if they could find this virus in you at all, and with PCR, if you do it well, you can find almost anything in anybody. It starts making you believe in the sort of Buddhist notion that everything is contained in everything else, right? I mean, because if you can mo- amplify one single molecule up to a, to something that you can really measure which PCR can do, then there's just very few molecules that you don't have at least one single one of them in your body, okay? So that could be thought of as a misuse of it just to, to claim that it's meaningful. And it is. Well, that's interesting. Hmm. It's, uh, it's a real shame he's not around. Where is he? He, uh, he conveniently died in August 19. Age uh, 19? In August 2019. <laughs> that's bad. A relatively healthy or older man who surfed every day. Yeah, he died yeah. of a heart attack in August last year. I don't think it can't possibly be anything to do with what he said about people like Anthony Fauci in the past, I wonder. <laughs> what is it what what is it about humanity that 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 it wants to go to all the details and stuff and listen you know these guys like Fauci get up there and start talking you know he doesn't know anything really about anything and I'd say that to his face nothing the man thinks you can take a blood sample and stick it in an electron microscope and if it's got a virus in there you'll know it he doesn't understand electron microscopy and he doesn't understand medicine he he should not be in a position like he's in 
most of those guys up there on the top are just total administrative people and they don't know anything about what's going on at the bottom. You know, those guys have got an agenda, which is not what we would like them to have, being that we pay for them to take care of our health in some way. They've got a personal kind of agenda. They make up their own rules as they go. They change them when they want to. And they smugly, like Tony Fauci, does not mind going on television in front of the people to pay his salary and lie directly into the camera. Mm. Not, uh, not a fan of Mr. Fauci, Dr. Fauci. He's got a nice uh, cushy job in Biden's administration after the inauguration. <laughs> Isn't it the same job he's had for like four hundred years? Though he's he's been in that role. He's seen like what? How many presidents? I don't know, four, five. That's as head of the NIH. He's he's moving into. Oh, is he? Um, similar to Chris Whitty, like a chief medical officer role, or chief oh, okay. uh, chief medical advisor to the president. Yeah, apparently he doesn't know doesn't know anything. <laughs> Depends who you believe. Believe Kerry Mullis. But as long as he knows how to work Excel, he'll be all right. <laughs> uh, should we move on to the vaccine? There was, um, there was a video from Chattanooga which went viral <coughs> and exploded this week on social media. I don't know if you heard about this, but I've got a report. Yeah. The nurse. Yeah. No. A nurse is vaccinated, but just minutes later, this happens. I'm sorry. Tiffany Dover fainted as she spoke to reporters at a hospital in Chattanooga, Tennessee. But it turns out it wasn't a reaction to the vaccine. Tiffany has a medical condition and faints often. She quickly recovered and spoke to reporters. I have passed out probably six times in the past six weeks. You know, it's common for me. It's very common. People should not use that as a barometer for not taking the COVID-19 vaccine or other vaccines. <laughs> she passed out. Uh, I, excellent choice of uh, person to interview. Having yeah. just had a, a vaccine put under all that pressure of, uh, of a news interview. I, d- I don't know who lined that up, but that seemed a, seemed a little stupid. How many, how many thousands of other nurses that don't fail on a regular basis could they have chosen to, uh, all right, so you, you're believing that, Ben, are you? That she faints on her once a week? I think, uh, yeah, yeah. Do you not think that's a bit of a liability for a nurse? Yeah, I was just <laughs> thinking that. I was thinking, that, how could she faint? It depends what kind of nurse she is, I suppose. But I hope, if, she's, I hope, if she's an operating theatre nurse. A fainty one. Yeah. yeah, I don't think she'll be doing, like, brain surgery. She might just be, uh, I don't know. I hope she doesn't drive to work. Ass. I know, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure you can be a nurse if you faint every week. I, no, I don't know. I think That's that might just be a cover story. And it might be the pressure. Maybe it was the pressure. No, I think she just... Um, I mean, the vast majority of people are going to get side effects. You know, Yeah. Doesn't mean you're going to get a second. Stop clicking your pen. Yeah, Ben, just, why are you being so nice? Just stop it. That was, that was not me. I'm not clicking. <laughs> You know, it uh, it just sounds like a bit of a cover story to me, but I don't know. I don't know. I thought it was funny. She might be like, um, you know, when a cop gets retired, he's a desk cop. She might be a, de- she might be a desk nurse now. Every so often she just goes, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Oh, it's Gene again. <laughs> there was um, still typing? a it's fucking keyboard. I'm typing. I'm typing oh, now. You need to sort. You need to get a different microphone or wear your headset, your gaming headset. All right. Um, there's protests in Canada this week. Is there? Yeah, there's a, a legal action in process. Uh, Graham from Grime America sent us a link uh, in Alberta regarding the vaccine. Is it or? Uh, regarding the sort of the COVID measures that they're bringing in in Canada now. Ah, right. Right, okay. Yeah, there's a group um, been established called Freedom for Canada and they're suing the Alberta government over right. the uh, COVID measures. And they're in court tomorrow. It's the big day. Right. Well, actually, today, if you're listening on the, uh, if you're listening. Mm-hmm. Um, but I got a clip from someone who was at the protest, which I found um, interesting. Don't need a mask. The mask is about compliance because they know Canadians like to do what they're told. So they tell you you have to wear a mask. Next, they're going to tell you you have to contact trace. Then they're going to tell you you have to take the vaccine. And because Canadians like to do what they're told, they're hoping that everyone just complies. And then guess what, kids? Once you take your vaccine, like a dumb person that doesn't know any better, they're going to tell you, sorry, the vaccine isn't as effective as we thought it was going to be. So now you still got to wear your mask, still got to get contact trace, still have all the restrictions and social distancing and still take your vaccine and then what did you get out of all of this you got a whole year where you weren't allowed to travel your business was closed they took your rights and freedoms they forced the vaccine on you and what happened the same amount of people died everything is the exact same and now they're going to put you back on lockdown and bring it all the way till july of next year so they can do the same thing again bring you from july august and september getting you off lockdown but just to bring you back on lockdown again if you idiots have figured it out yet it's a perpetual cycle that you never get out of and it's a way to take your rights your freedoms close your business take your wealth why so you become dependent on government why if you're independent the government works for you like it's supposed to if you depend on the government to give you a paycheck to feed your family every month because they closed your business on you now the government doesn't work for you the government rules you so instead of a middle class we have the government upper class and the lower class dependents that rely on the government to survive. In other words, we have a slave class. And that's what they're trying to do. It's that simple. All right. Thanks a lot, Chris. Nice to meet you. (laughs) Have a great day. Uh, He uh, pretty much sums up the problem I have with UBI. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. State dependency. We seem Mm. to, we we don't need to, we we need to... uh, Keep in mind what governments are meant to be there for. Yeah. Run your public services. You know, look, look after foreign policy. But stay out of my fucking life. Stay out of my way. Mm-hmm. Once you become dependent on them, it's like you said, you're a slave. <laughs> Shut up, slave. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is there, uh, there going to be any pushback then if, if that is the case? And, um, you know, we're heading towards this um, reliance on government and feeds into that kind of great reset idea that's been bandied around for a while, and UBI as well. Is there any is there any pushback? Because all these things are sold as improvements to our lives. Um, whether they are or not remains to be seen. Uh, but I've not seen any any pushback apart from on, you know, wacky podcasts like ours <laughs> yeah you remember the uh, World Eco- Economic Forum article 
It's 2030. You own, you own nothing, yeah. have no privacy, and you're happy about it. I don't like the idea of that. Yeah, well. <laughs> am, I, am I in the minority? I don't think people realise, do they? That's the thing. This is it. It's mission creep. Step by step, baby steps. You won't notice. There's a ton of people who will probably, you know, jump at the chance of having UBI and, you know, who are struggling now or just don't want to work or whatever. And there's there's a lot of those people. Yeah. And um, if, if, if all the small businesses have been crushed. Yeah. It's like Demolition Man. Oh. There'll be there'll be there'll be Taco Bell. There'll be one twenty thirty. One chain that mm. survived and, and monopolized everything. There'll be mm. one bank. There'll be one DIY store. Jeremy Corbyn. Jeremy Corbyn's Britain. That's what he wanted, the Bank of Britain, wasn't it? Yeah. Bank of Britain. Oh no. What what are the what are the benefits again? <laughs> of UBI. The idea all is, this, well, sorry, of of all of this, of of you know not owning anything, and you know the government pay you to control, isn't it for them? Well, yeah, well, for them, that's benefit them. What's benefit for for me? It's the, the environment in that in that article that Phil's mentioning, isn't it? I think it's the green yeah. agenda which is used yeah. to to justify all this. It's Agenda so, 21, Agenda 30. We had the odd man talk about it months ago. This has been in the works for parks. decades. Parks <laughs> and green spaces in cities and things. No, the idea nice. is you all live in the cities. And uh, the odd man oh, talks about... I don't want about, to live in a city. Well, you'll be on the outskirts of society. And you won't I'm get Mad any... Max. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. It says in that article, the World Economic Forum article, not everyone wanted to come with us. Some people wanted to live outside the society. And uh, you won't get, you know, you won't get state education. You won't be able to go to a hospital. You'll have to sort of build your own community and fend for yourself. That that doesn't sound very nice. Well, you're either with us or you're against us. Yeah, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> I need to make an informed decision. <laughs> Come along with the great reset, Ben. How long have I got? Twenty thirty. Years. Well, this is what Charlie Charlie was saying, is that they're using this to push, to cram as much as they can in. And you're going to hear more about this green agenda in, over the next couple of years. Wow, you know, carbon emissions during the lockdown, they dropped so massively. Wouldn't it be great if we could uh, continue that? Mm. You're going to see messaging to start eating less meat. Already are, aren't we? The green, the, the methane farts, yeah. Car farts destroying the uh, uh, causing global warming. It's going to get ramped uh, up, and the amount of you know, plus you, you, you get a lot of messaging already about sort of eating red meat, bowel cancer, um, plus you know it being horrible for animals and stuff to be slaughtered and living in big sort of factory farms and all the rest of it. Mm. Um, you know, not, not recognise that, Ben. I well, do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've definitely seen bits and bobs. What what's going to be outside these cities then? So there's you <laughs> no, know swings of farmland and countryside. <laughs> uh, yeah, what's going to happen to them? Oh, that the, the no, uh, most most uh, public land will be off limits to humans. 
this is the rewilding aspect of the green agenda. So, right. so we need to make nature, you know, people live in the cities and then there'll be areas that are out of bounds. And What's that's the left. point of nature if you can't <laughs> enjoy it? <laughs> nature isn't there for us to enjoy. We have to preserve it for, for, <laughs> for future generations oh, well, to not enjoy Well, the answer is obvious then. It's kill all humans. If all humans uh, cease to exist, you can rewild whatever you want. If you know, that's the agenda, then that's fine. And also, it'd be very green. There wouldn't be any farming or anything. All the cows would die out eventually. Um, but your your entire planet would be would be rewilded. Well, yeah, this is the depopulation agenda. We've played Bill Gates talking about it. That's quite got, yeah. The Georgia Guidestones talk about it. This, this Georgia Guidestones. Yeah. It's not new. Well, the quickest way to do that would be all out war, though, wouldn't it? You'd make a mess, but it'd be um... dangerous. Oh. Well, if you want to get rid of a lot of people, I don't know. I don't know. Or some Bill... kind of global virus. Doctor, be a bit. Doctor Bill said, if we just do a good job on the vaccines, we can lower global population by ten percent. Yes, somehow. Somehow, he did say that. He's <laughs> a uh, famous TED talk. Uh, anyway, did... I don't like any of this. <laughs> this is this is not good. I've got to go to bed in an hour or so. Did uh, did we all hear Tom Cruise this week? Oh, I thought you were going to. He was. Oh, uh... yeah. It was good. Tom Cruise. Let's hear it. Tom well, Cruise. Was it? I've not heard it yet. But was it as good as um, Christian Bale's? Going off at the light guy. Hey, he played that good. a couple of years ago. <laughs> well, you can be the judge, Ben. Let's hear it. Yeah. <laughs> Tom Cruise reportedly let his COVID concerns be heard loud and clear while filming the new Mission Impossible movie in England. In an audio obtained from the Sun tabloid, which has not been authenticated by ABC News, Cruise was reportedly furious with staffers for ignoring safety protocols. I don't ever want to see it again! Work on the film had to be shut down in October when 12 staffers tested positive. What's your initial reaction? Uh, That's not all of it either. What was he? I, I don't think that's as good as the Christian Bale one. It's, um, it's not a classicist. That's not that's not giving its full justice. It goes it goes on and on for about three minutes. Yeah, we don't oh, have right. clip, we don't do clips and that he, long. No, and he shout, he shouts like that, and then he kind of stops shouting a bit, and then he shouts a little bit more, and then he kind of apologizes and says, "Oh no, you know," and then he shouts even more, "You motherfuckers!" <laughs> It's, it's, quite good. it's a whole roller coaster. Oh, that's but I was kind of listening to it, thinking, "Oh, you fucking twat!" And then I was thinking, <laughs> "I think he's he's the producer of um, uh, the Mission Impossible franchise." Yeah. Um, so I imagine he's under a lot of fucking pressure, no matter you know about what you think about his personal life and his uh, religion and stuff. Um, and 
if you sort of you're in charge of all this or you've got a lot of money in it and it's been shut down once already and then somebody's you've told people to do a certain thing and they're not doing it then you're going to lose your rag aren't you I think I'm with uh, I'm with Adam Curry on this one. Well, I think he's acting. Do you? Yeah. Why? To be sort of woke about masks. They're getting celebrities involved in this with the vaccine. Oh, aren't they? Celebrity uh, vaccinations. Uh, is it a news story about? Yeah, that, I saw about this. getting positive, positive yes. role models to. Yeah. Talk it's, about the vaccine and like so, like Instagram influencers. It's fucking PR, man. You're being lied yeah. to. Well, being the government is going to pay them, pay influencers to, like yeah, to advertise the vaccine. Who would say positive things about it? Adam Curry oh. on No Agenda made a great point. He is the king of Scientology. Tom Cruise. But, Tom Cruise is the Adam Curry. <laughs> Tom Cruise is is the the emperor of Scientology. He is the biggest PR yeah. ca- cow, the sacred cow. <laughs> and Scientology, if you watch the Louis Through documentaries, for example, they're yeah. famously litigious, and yes. there is no way in hell that this audio would have been leaked. They wouldn't have let it happen. This is a PR storm. This is PR. Okay, that's that's a good point. I'm with him. He just sounds Dude, like Tom good. Cruise. He sounds like Tom Cruise <laughs> when he shouts at people in movies. He just sounds like he's acting. A few good men. <laughs> you can't handle the truth, can you? No, he can't handle the truth about masks. <laughs> um, let's move on. Going back to we're talking about freedoms and the. Uh, the uh, Great Reset and uh, the World Economic Forum and stuff. I promised you last week the clip from Demolition Man of Edgar Friendly's rant. <laughs> oh, I've been waiting, I've been thinking about this all week. <laughs> I've got it for you. I'll set the scene. Okay. So, in the dystopian future of Demolition Man, you have the people who will live on the surface in the utopian, corrupt technocracy, yeah. and there is a, an underground movement of, yes. of, uh, of people who lose sort of you know Ben you were saying the people who live outside the cities after the great reset yeah well in yeah. Demolition Man they live underground in the sewers basically and have to fend for themselves uh, it's like Futurama or Futurama's like Demolition Man and uh, it's like the Wild West and in, in this uh, clip Sly Stallone and uh, his partner Huxley played by Sandra Bullock go down into the sewers to try and make contact with the uh, Edgar Friendly, who is the the great devil, the great Satan of the utopian society above, the the target of the wrath, because he's seen as the leader of this freedom fighting movement, this resistance movement, and uh, this is the clip, the interaction that they have when they first meet. I guess you weren't part of the Cocteau plan. So Cocteau is the technocratic, <laughs> he's the Klaus Schwab, if you like. Of Demolition yeah. Man, the guy who's taken over and installed all these rules. You can't say uh, salt is is illegal because it's bad for you. They have the verbal moralities code where you can't swear without getting a fine. Greed, deception, abuse of power, that's no plan. 
That's why everybody's down here? You got that right. See, according to Cocteau's plan, I'm the enemy. Because I like to think. I like to read. I'm into freedom of speech and freedom of choice. I'm the kind of guy who likes to sit in a greasy spoon and wonder, gee, should I have the T-bone steak or the jumbo rack of barbecue ribs with the side order of gravy fries? I want high cholesterol. I want to eat bacon and butter and buckets of cheese, okay? I want to smoke a Cuban cigar the size of Cincinnati in a non-smoking section. I want to run through the streets naked with green jello all over my body reading Playboy magazine. Why? Because I suddenly might feel the need to, okay, pal? I've seen this. Do you know what it is? It's a 47-year-old virgin sitting around in his beige pajamas drinking a banana broccoli shake singing, I'm an Oscar Mayer wiener. You live up top, you live Cocteau's way. What he wants, when he wants, how he wants. Your other choice? Come down here. Maybe starve to death. That's it. That's a great so reset. Uh, okay. You'll be starving to death in the countryside, man. Yeah. Yeah, me and Phil will be loaded up in the city. <laughs> in, our, in our beige pajamas. In our beige pajamas. and All the... Uh, yeah. The society, like uh, the people walking around above the surface, they have like uh, all the clothes are pastel coloured. There's like no nice. no expression. You won't wear like a funny t shirt. Everything's uniform, pastely, free flowing. You can't tell. There's no sort of gender genderization in the clothing. It's sort of mm. what's the word? Androgynous. Androgynous. Yeah. I thought you were going to say communist. Same thing. Yeah. Same thing, but... Yeah. Yeah, Chairman Mao. Yeah. What, did, what, did they, what did they all get issued after the Cultural Revolution? They all wear the... Uh, what do you call it? Overalls? Or something? Was that something party, like that? Party uniform. I don't know. Yeah. It was something like that, wasn't it? Uh, anyway. Continue. I've got an old clip here from 2016 which I, th- I feel is just as relevant today as when it was said. And then this is Denzel Washington uh-huh. talking about fake news and, and the press in general. Um, because there was a story going around, bear in mind this is 2016, there was a story going around that Denzel had switched allegiance from Hillary to Trump. Um, and this poor poor reporter on the red carpet gets a bit more than she bargains for when she asks him asks him about it. But it's a great clip. There's been a lot of buzz about this fake news. You were the subject of a fake news story. Oh, yeah, what they say? I was running for president. No, no, no I voted. Switched, no, what they say? You switched your support. I switched, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. What do you make of all the fake news and it affects If you don't read the newspaper, you're uninformed. If you do read it, you're misinformed. Mm-hmm. So what do you do? Nice. That's a great question. <laughs> what is the long-term effect of too much information? One of the effects is the need to be first, not even to be true anymore. So what a responsibility you all have to be to tell the truth, not just to be first, but to tell the truth. We live in a society now where it's just first. Who cares? Get it out there. We don't care who it hurts. We don't care who we destroy. We don't care if it's true. Just say it. Sell it. Anything you practice, you'll get good at, including BS. Hold on. But you heard me? Does that make sense? Fucking spot. Who is this uh, Denzel Washington? Is he a fellow conspiracy theorist? Should we get him on the podcast? He does not. He he knows. He's been in the the game long enough to know what the news media is all about. Mm. 
I'd like to know where that journalist is now. Whether you know she she had a red to Damascus moment and just open your mind moved into the sewers. <laughs> open your mind. Yeah, Wait, she's, eating, Mars. she's eating rat burgers with Ed- Edgar Friendly now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh. Rat burgers. Oh, he loved his rat burger, didn't he? Slime there. <laughs> yeah. The problem is when it comes out, I don't know how to use the three seashells. <laughs> you motherfucking motherfucker. Motherfucking. It's on Netflix, so you know. Is it? All right, I'm going to watch yeah. it tomorrow. Yeah, I'll watch it. I'm going to watch kids. it for a good 10 years. Uh, longer for me, I think. Oh. It's definitely, definitely one I had on VHS that I watched over and over again. And it You'll, was like 13. You will see it with different eyes if you watch it. That's, now. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, media studies students, wet dream. <laughs> anyway, moving on to uh, the the uh, the subject of many a wet dream, Eamon Holmes. <laughs> so, Ruth and Eamon are leaving this morning. And, Have uh, you not covered this already? Oh, yeah, but Eamon is just is determined to get as many innuendos <laughs> as possible in. Before the axe, before the sword of Damocles finally falls and decapitates him. <laughs> this is uh, talking about blowjobs. Then she pieces of baked Alaska. That is amazing. I went to a restaurant for my birthday and they offered me a blowtorch on the table, didn't they, darling? Didn't they? And I declined. Didn't I? Do you remember the meat? And she said to me, would you like a blowtorch? And I said, no, just cook it for me. But it's true. It is true. It's true. Not making it up. No. I haven't seen one since. (laughs) And whether it's a gift for a teacher. She asked me if I wanted a blowtorch on the table. (laughs) Oh, I'm going to miss him. Yeah. I'm going to miss Ruth and Eamon. Who have you been replaced by? Richard Madley. Alison Hammond and Dermot O'Dreary. All right. Yeah. Uh, she's served a long apprenticeship, hasn't she, as the uh, yeah. outside broadcast? The comic relief. Yeah. 15 years Poor service. Andy Peters. Oh, fucking hell. Sorry. <laughs> 15 years. Poor Andy Peters. He's been, he's been there ages, hasn't he? Well, I wouldn't say that because Piers Morgan um, actually called... Uh, Andy Peters out on his personal wealth. Apparently, Andy Peters is like a multi-millionaire from Wise Investments and a production company or something. Fair play to him. I know next to nothing about him, Andy Peters, which I, I appreciate as well. Just remembering from the broom cupboard, really. I'm, yeah, Ed the Duck. Mm. Well. Um, I don't know what to. Uh, it's knocking up to time. It's ten past ten. Good. Are we uh, getting ready to finish? Yeah. If you're finished, I'm finished. Oh shit! 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 <sighs> no, I've missed some fucking massive COVID news. Oh! <laughs> Can't believe this slipped through the net. How oh, is it? Is this another Phil acting moment? <laughs> Oh, you know, I was uh, I was listening to Grime America, and uh, Darren and Graham were discussing masks, and uh, Graham in sixty seconds just destroys the narrative. 
this is <laughs> paradigm shifting content. Just prepare yourselves for the lens, the prism with which you view reality to be shattered into a million pieces. <laughs> this is you. Army. I got an I got an analogy for you. Okay. This would, this would be great. This is, <laughs> is I was own? watching Did you that, make this up? I was watching that YouTube video with the balance on the mask issue, right? We sent a listener sentence said, would you guys want some balance on the max ma- mask issue? Here's a, here's a video. And it was all about lowering the inoculum, right? This is a big argument for why I wear a mask to protect you. And I don't really buy it because it's based on, I, I don't want to get into the details now, but my, the analogy that came to mind for me was <clears throat> if I'm naked and I've I fart naked. and I fart, it makes it over to the other side of the room. If I got my underwear on and my corduroys on and I fart, it goes over to the other side of the room pretty damn quick. Yeah, but it doesn't get in my mouth. <laughs> it doesn't get in your mouth if I make it. Yeah. No, it doesn't. There's a better chance. No. Yeah, there's no, a better chance. Not unless you're yeah. right there. Yeah. Well, I'm right here. No, no. I mean, like, right there. I mean, it's not going to... The, the underwear and the corduroy jeans nah, don't a, stop it from getting to the other side of the room. That's a terrible analogy. Why? You're going to fart. You, uh, here, comes the, here comes the science bit. Breathe out your mask. It goes, it goes, it's got the, the brownian motion. So we, <laughs> what? There's a motion that particles have, right? It goes, squeezes through your mask and it stays in the air. Just like a fart squeezing through your jeans? Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if it's worse if you have like tidy whities Yeah, like maybe. Pressurized. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and more brownian motion. It just lingers around for longer. Or it goes farther. Like yeah. we could really get some. We should do a GoFundMe. <laughs> there you are. Just destroyed it. Oh, man. The masks don't work. How come you can smell a fart? Yeah. Why is he wearing his mask on his ass? Like? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know. It tickled me. Canadians. <laughs> They're fucking nuts Canadians, yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I spoke to Graham, Graham briefly yesterday. I did my first drunken Instagram live. And, uh, <laughs> I'm talking it's to all there, all an hour of his death. You have to come watch it if uh, you're fucking sick. Yeah, I had a few. had a bit of a rant about things. Oh, no. Yeah, several, uh-huh. several rants. I might listen to it tomorrow then. Freedom of speech? Fuck yeah. If you're going to let me use it, if you're going to let me unleash my psyche on the world, then, you know, you reap what you saw. Reap the whirlwind. (laughs) Okay. The whirlwind of incoherent thoughts. (laughs) It's a stream of consciousness. Two bottles of wine Mm. in. Alright, shall we fuck off into the night? Yeah, have a uh, have a good Christmas. Oh yeah. No Amish Inquisition uh reunion, is there? No. No, but we'll be back Very next much. week and we'll be doing Secret Santa and uh just That's having a it. having a relax. I don't think we'll be yeah. playing any clips with no, no. guest. No. Uh, we'll just have uh, maybe just sort of go over the year and see how we feel about it, about some yeah. of the highlights. And, uh, Turkey sandwiches. Yeah. yeah. Right then, we'll uh, we'll see you next week. I'll just leave you with this um, important um, public service announcement. Good evening. As COVID-19 infections remain high at home and around the world, 
scientists have found that the virus is being spread not only by coughs, but also by people talking to each other. Studies show that consonants project the virus for much greater distances than vowels, and certain consonants, the so-called plosive sounds, are worst of all. Each time a person makes the sound p, t, or k, they can project the virus up to three times further than when they use softer consonants, such as f, n, or l. Based on this new evidence, the government is introducing new rules in stages to make people's speech less dangerous and slow the spread of COVID-19. Announcing the new rules, Health Secretary Matt Hancock said, during the first stage, or tier one, the consonant p will be banned and must always be replaced with the softer sound f. Anyone speaking to other fifal in a public place will have to stop using the flosive sound. Failure to do so could lead to a fine or even frizzen. The whole population, even members of parliament, will all have to flay their fart in this. After a period of a few weeks, we will move to tier two. Tier one rules will continue to apply. In addition, the sound t will be banned and must be replaced by the sound n. Although this may cause some initial confusion, uh, for example, Nietzsche's in schools will face challenges when Nietzsche the Nenheim's navel, we are confident <laughs> any problems will be temporary and measures under near new will help learn the night of this pandemic. <laughs> After a further brief period, we will bring in near three. The rules under nears one and new will continue with the addition of the sound k being banned to be replaced by l. We have considered these measures carefully in line with recommendations from professors at Lainbridge <laughs> University. These new rules will apply not only to English but also to other languages spoken in this country, including Nerlish, Folish, Portuguese, and Italian. I urge people to knit arm and carry on. Together, we now conquer the COVID pandemic and return to normality in no time at all. Thank you. Delightful! Yeah! He's a homophobe and he's a misogynist. Fucking vegan. I think you're hitting hitting the point, Phil. You're a lime dog face pony soldier. Oh, my. Mr. Peter Bone! Like a judgment day intimidating. More like. Execute order 69, dudes!